Welcome to Annasbrook Church. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Well, I haven't preached in a long time, so let's hope this goes well. (laughs) Father, I just thank you for your presence, and I thank you for your word now. Like you said, Lord, that it would be a seed that would go into. I just pray be fertile hearts that would, for each of us, bring bring a harvest back. Be no rocky ground, no thorny ground, no shallow ground, but it would be deep soil here today. I pray you put a new heart and new spirit in each one of us for what you're about to do. I pray for the activation, Holy Spirit, of great power for us as a church. I pray that something would get under our skin today. I pray if anything is said that's not of you, that you'd take it out. And I pray that I would really know, Lord God, you're speaking to us. Help me to be okay. Amen. (laughs) Okay, that's great. Um, So, yeah, Jared mentioned we're we're been in a theme called ministry, and I was really excited about this when we were about to leave for sabbatical. Um, it's the final part of practicing the way, and it's in there on purpose uh, because without it, as you're about to hear, there's some really funky things that can begin to happen in our Christian life. So I want to share out of Mark chapter 6, and the scripture should be on the screen, but it said, Then Jesus went from village to village teaching the people. And he called his 12 disciples together. His 12 disciples had been following him, had been following Jesus, and began sending them out two by two. This is Mark 6. Giving them authority to cast out evil spirits, he told them to take nothing for their journey except for a walking stick, no food, no bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals but not take a change of clothes. That's really, I've been reading this text, been thinking about that. That's really odd. But that's cool. Verse 10, wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave that town. But if any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as to leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. In other words, it's not a performance. There has to be a reciprocating. For God to work, there's got to be a reciprocating um, happening. Verse 12, so the disciples went out telling everyone in twos, telling everyone they met to repent of their sin and turn to God. They cast out many demons, healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. Uh, That's part of that healing that God's uh, given the church to function in. The apostles, verse 30, returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him, all they'd done and taught. In one translation, and I think it's Matthew or another one of the Gospels, it said, they, they said, it works. That was kind of their response to Jesus. It works. Like, it was happening. And then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there's so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have the time to eat. It, it's, it's never really the right time. Never the right time. Um, this last February, I actually celebrated a milestone of 20 years in full-time Christian ministry. 20 years this last February, this last month. 
And uh, I started off on staff here at the church in 2003 after the youth pastor at the time fell pregnant. Now that youth pastor happened to be my wife. So (laughs) she was actually the full-time youth pastor and I was working in retail and um, worked some different jobs. I was a bit of a thorn in Rebecca's flesh. Um, Sometimes I try to take over the meetings. Uh, I wasn't technically the youth pastor in, in ministry. It was I was a little bit of a handful. But until that moment in time, in in February 2003, I had no idea at all about what God had put in me. None. None at all. I was um, actually working for Rebecca's parents, which was really awesome in a retail setting. Um, But as the time went on, not not really at a work level, but deeper, there was a growing dissatisfaction. I started to feel... This is before this whole um, starting in this role. And I've found actually over the last 20 years that God will often do that when he's ready to move you into a new season or a new moment or a new space or a new focus or a new endeavor or a new kind of thing that you're going to be launched out into. He will cause that which used to satisfy you to no longer satisfy you anymore. And you won't see it exactly like that. You'll just feel kind of like that, feel a bit weird about it, feel kind of a bit of a malaise, if you like. And it can happen in your lifestyle, in your health or your thinking. You can just reach a point where you're like, this isn't for me anymore. This isn't good enough. I'm I'm not happy with where where I'm stuck. It could be in an area of sin. So for example, you could be living your life and doing things that really you know aren't right and aren't good and aren't morally or ethically correct. And before you're kind of content to live like that, and then out of nowhere, out of nowhere, God begins to do a work in you and suddenly you're just not satisfied. It doesn't scratch the itch anymore. You see the total hollowness of it. You can see, now this, this is not right for me. And that's a sign that God's doing something in your life. It could be in a relationship that you know that's not right or an aligned relationship, maybe not just a romantic one or whatever, but it could be in some of the friendships you have or the business relationships. But for me, it was in that sense of purpose. I, I, I just knew, I just knew that what I was doing was just, I just, it was just blah. So Beck's pregnant with Ruby, taking her to the office, running youth, and then she worked out this is not going to be as simple. Uh, and so then... Brent and the elders at the time said, hey, why don't, you go, why don't you pray about it? Maybe this is a Graham and Rebecca thing. And I was like, I doubt it. Like, just no, whatever. Prayed about it. And all that dissatisfaction, all that stuff going on, boom. I started a total shift. It was like a, pers- not a personality transplant, but like within me, all I can explain is within me, I started to think about things in a different way. Look at things in a different way. Thoughts that I'd never had before. I wrote 20 pages of vision. I didn't put in a clear file. Do you remember the clear files? I don't, I had not written anything really at all before that for anything at all. Um, I got 49% in school cert um, English. Uh, Mum was encouraged. She said it's so close to being a pass. <laughs> so she sent away to NZQA for a recount cost 35 or cost some money. And it came back at 47%. And that was <laughs> totally gutting for her. <laughs> I 
But I've, but I've seen God do this, that things you never thought were in you, things you never thought were for you. <laughs> you know, God is wanting things for you, not just from you. He's not just wanting things from you to take your fun away. He's wanting to take things out of your world sometimes that even maybe morally aren't that bad, but for you, but for what is on your life, for the, for the destiny and the seeds and the gifts and the abilities, you're done. You're done with that season and it's time to reread the season. And 20 years gives you enough time to look back and see patterns, principles, things that God does, like this, that God loves people more than we'd ever, ever know. He really does. He loves you. He loves you. And when you love something, you think about it. And when you love something, you invest in it. And when you love something, you're there for it. And I noticed that God loves also to put broken lives back together. That we might not feel like we're worthy and we might not feel like we've done it right and we might not feel like we've made the right choices. But I've noticed that God's mercy and grace in the book of James or somewhere, it says that mercy triumphs over judgment. And that's a reference to the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant that was over the two tablets of the law of Moses, that there was a seat called the mercy seat. And it was a picture of Christ who would come and save us from the law and put mercy so we could be seated with him. That's what it means. Mercy in your life triumphs over judgment. I've also noticed that people are awesome. People just have potential. People have creativity. People have, you know, just the uniqueness. I mean, if you looked around the room and you just saw each other and how we dress and how we express ourselves. and I mean, even Annasbrook alone, like I just have noticed being away, there's so much uniqueness on us. Just been thinking about it. I've missed it. And then I've also noticed that people are also not awesome. Like they are totally awesome. But sometimes they're just really not. You know, we've all got the potential to go rogue, don't we? We really do. And in fact, some of you right here are thinking of going rogue. No, no, seriously, there's a marriage here right now and one of you is think, thinking, um, and you've been thinking for a while, um, no longer, not worth it. And I want to I tell you, don't do it. Do not do it. To that person. Every marriage situation is different, but to that person... Because you're just you're looking at Instagram and you're seeing all the highlight reels of everyone else's life that's not real. That's what the real reels are, not real. Let me tell you, don't go rogue. You, seeds will be planted and that will be a very, it's going to be very difficult to come back from. I don't know who that is today. But there's someone here, maybe online. And this is what else I've noticed. That even though people are awesome and sometimes not awesome, Yet, it is God's plan to use those people. That is the crazy part. None of us are perfect. None of us deserve it. We're all growing. We're all learning. But it is God. Mark 6, therefore, is a staggering picture. And over the last five years, it's intrigued me more and more because you, we know from Acts that Jesus was going to pour out his Holy Spirit and through these 12 apostles, disciples, change the world. We're, we're living in that. What, we've, what, what we get to understand and know about God through Apostle Paul and others, and that's all part of that. But Mark 6 is a long way away from Acts 1 and 2, where, you know, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Mark 6 is less than halfway through the book of Mark. Mark 6 
is early, way early. And for Jesus to one day, it comes out of nowhere, it's random. They've been going around with him, following him. They've been watching all the great things, their attention's been on him and rightly so. And they're trying to grapple with him. But suddenly, I want you to feel that just out of nowhere, it's shocking to them. He goes, guys, welcome to Wednesday. I don't even know what day it was. Probably Thursday, Thursday's a good day. Um, So I'm gonna be pairing you up today. And I want you to go stay in some random houses in towns, villages, and areas around here. And what I want you to do is cast out devils, heal the sick, preach this message of hope, and I want you to go for it. And then the text that I read you before said that he gave them authority. Now, I want to just mention one thing that you may or may not know about this passage. Jesus did not go with any of the peers at all. He stayed where he was. So he's not even going with them to kind of coach them through the moments and, you know, they're doing this for him and that for him and he's not with them at all. Most of us have a list in our lives of what we're comfortable doing for God. We all have a scope. I'm comfortable doing this for God, not comfortable doing that. I'm I'm comfortable in this space, not comfortable. You know, like prayer, most of us could handle praying for a car park. You know, like you're in town, you think, God, I've got this appointment. God, oh Lord, oh Lord. You know, I, I do wonder whether God's really present in the Stoke New World car park. But anyway, <laughs> that's a whole nother set of issues. <laughs> I'm, I'm often praying out of that place, you know. Um, we believe in Jesus. We're confident maybe that we'll go to heaven. Maybe we'll get him by the skin of our teeth. But what shockwaves must have gone through some of these disciples' minds when it's, no, you guys are going. There's a Thomas in that group who is logic-driven and doubt-riddled. He's going on the trip with another person. John is going on the trip. John loves to chill. He loves to philosophize. He loves to think about God's love and just rest in it. How many people have a child like that? You ask them to get up and get ready for the day and you go back and they're in exactly the same spot as they were half an hour before. We have one like that. And and John's there. And then you've got Judas. Judas was later gonna sell Jesus for silver. And he's paired up. And then you've got Peter. And Peter, the swear jar is gonna be filled by the end of this trip. Do you know some Christians who are still yet trying to tame the tongue? Yep. You know, it'd be like you cast out a devil from someone. He got such a, he got bloody, what? oh, no. Oh. But they went. And he called his 12 disciples together, beginning to send them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. Believers have Christ's authority. Are you a believer? Do you believe in Jesus? Maybe you're here today and you're not quite there. Cool, don't rush it. Don't rush it. Work work out this journey. But if you are here today and you can say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe in who He is. I believe in what He says like we're singing. You, the Bible says, you too have been given authority. It, It means that you become someone you wouldn't otherwise be. You get authorized to do things for Jesus and for his name. And you will be able to cast out devils. In other words, what? Deal with spiritual dynamics. Man, what an indictment on Christianity today. When 
even in our own homes, feel something's off, feel something's not right. Walk into work, feel something's really fishy. There's been someone who's been up, you know, bullying you or against you in opposition to you for too long now. You know, believer, you should be able at this stage of your journey, if you've been saved longer than 12 hours, to start to see some patterns. You should be able to see patterns. You should be able to get something in your spirit that goes, mm, I don't know if something's quite right here. Now, you may be right, you may be wrong, it doesn't matter. But you can and should be able to deal with that. When something's off with your kids, you should be able to deal with that. Why do I say that? Because you have authority. Didn't get much of an amen from that. And that's because it's a challenge. It's a challenge in our thinking. It challenges what we accept and don't accept. You have authority. Last year we had a healing meeting. And uh, man, it was a powerful night. And we ran out of people to pray for. There was such a power in the room. It was like dynamic. Uh, probably, probably the most dynamic healing meeting we've ever hosted and um, put on. And I heard a story about a guy and I remembered praying for him that he had a back issue because I began to feel God speaking to me about some issues, about some people and one of them was a back issue and he had a back issue and he came up and man, I felt like he had such an expectation even as I began to pray for him. Like, you know, this life and power was beginning to flow. And um, he said, actually, man, feels so much better. And anyway, it was a great night. There was actually a number of uh, testimony stories like that. About two or three days later, someone who uh, works here said, hey, do you remember praying for that guy, such and such? I said, yeah. He said, yeah, funny story. Because um, John Mallow was meant to come, right? And he couldn't come. But we were like, we've got to have this meeting anyway because John may not be here, but the Holy Spirit's here. So we put on, you know, I know I got up at the start to say that, but they actually weren't there in the start of the meeting to hear that. He genuinely thought I was John Mellor. <laughs> this guy was like, man, John Mellor's amazing. <laughs> I'm totally serious. And I just thought, oh yeah. When you have an expectation, and I pray you came in with an expectation this morning. When you have an expectation, and you think John Mellor's praying for you, but it's just some dude from the top of the South Island who used to get sheep in here and they raced them in the youth ministry, whose many parents wrote in about him. Some of you are here. Some of you are angry, I'm still around, but anyway. But you think it's John Mellor. But you think it's John Mellor. There's something that happens in you. Your expectation goes to another level. Here's my question. What's your expectation about what's on your life? I bet it's too low. I bet you. I nearly guarantee it. I'm not saying you go around thinking you're somebody, you know, like being too highly, but what a travesty when you're too lowly. When you think of yourself as, I can't do that. I, I'm no good at that. Well, how do you know? How do you know? I heard one guy last year say, um, he, he's involved in seeing dead people raised in Asia and India and other places. And this pastor came up to him and said, tell me, how do you see the dead raised? Because Jesus said, you'll, you'll raise the dead, you'll heal the sick. And um, teach me, I can't see, I don't see it. And the pastor goes, well, um, first question, how many dead people have you prayed for? And the pastor goes, oh, none. <laughs> and actually, 
it's not too far off what goes on in our lives sometimes. How many dead are you going to see raised if you don't pray for any? I mean, I, I don't know if you're enjoying this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know where I am right now. But man, like, you've got to let the John Mallory out of you. I mean, I don't even know if that makes sense, but you've got to let the, you know what I'm saying? Because Ephesians 4 says something really similar. And Christ, I want you to get this scripture. Christ Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. That's known as the fivefold ministry. And they're specific gifts, okay, to a specific group of people. For what? To equip the saints for what? The work of the ministry? The observation of the ministry that other people are going to do? No, so that the body of Christ all comes to unity of the faith to be perfected and walk in the fullness of Christ. Who are the saints? Anyone who believes in Christ. You're made righteous by His grace, not your own efforts, by your belief in Him. That Our belief in Jesus is what makes us right with God. That's the good news today. And what is the ministry you're called to? It comes from a Latin word, administration. Ministry comes out of that word, administration, administration. In other words, what? We are giving, it's not emails and Dropbox, praise the Lord, uh, for those who can't reply properly and on time. <laughs> um, no, it's distributing all of God's life and grace and healing and help and wisdom. You and I have been called to administrate heaven to earth. God's reality into this. You have been. You have been. We're bringing heaven into situations. We're bringing peace to a world that does not have peace. What did Jesus said? My peace I give to you. It's not peace that the world can give and it isn't peace the world can take away. And there are so many people living without peace in their souls. They're not right. This thing's not right. We're bringing help. We're bringing practical help. We're bringing wisdom. We're bringing love. What about this verse? Please take note of it. But to each of us, Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus, the body of Christ, Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, talking about after the resurrection, he led captivity captive. He took death and he rendered it powerless and he gave gifts to men. The whole thing is he's going to release humans to be part of his body, his hands and feet around the earth. And I just think there's a tendency, I see it, 20 years has taught me, we're not ready, we're not gifted enough, don't have enough Bible knowledge, not holy enough, my spiritual life isn't in the right place, and I'm sure you felt that way, I have felt that way, but yet, to each one of us, grace has been given. You've been given a grace of God, you've been given gifts in your life, and, and, and you, I mean, this is way too soon, Jesus is not meant to be sending the disciples out, he hasn't even died on the cross yet. They don't even understand what salvation is. They haven't even received the Holy Spirit. They don't know about the resurrection life. They don't even know the church is going to be born and yet they went out and they did it. What's your excuse? <laughs> oh, that's good. If you're not enjoying it, I'm going on another sabbatical. If you want, I mean, it's, it's a, it is an option. I started serving um, Jesus, ministering so fast after getting saved. I was 17, God touched my heart, I received, I believed in Jesus, and then 
the next day. I went from a lifestyle that was like not living for God. I was going to church, but I was not living for God. He turned up in my life and so fast. This is why most of us miss it. So fast. He enrolls you into active participation so fast that you miss it. You're still waiting. No, it happened ages ago. When did it happen? When you believed. Wait. You're like, not the right time. It's never the right time. It's always too soon. It's always too late. It never feels right. I don't think I've ever had a situation really. Hindsight, I'll tell you about hindsight, but in the moment, I've never had a situation where I go to minister and think, I feel like this is perfect. It's always a step of faith. If you do not minister, you will stop the outflow of that faith. This is why your prayer life dies. Your prayer life dies not because you don't love Jesus and you don't think the world of Him. You've run out of things to pray for. You've got no risk out there. There's no faith out there. I talked to someone in the foyer this morning who told me they decided because they heard God to hire a new staff member. It's in an industry where the reports are there's going to be contraction, uh, recession. But he said, you know what? I heard God. I'm taking the step of faith. And he said, do you know what happens now? I'm praying a lot. People think that's an inauthentic prayer life because you won't just pray and enjoy Him. No, when the river stops flowing, you get swamp-like. I, I stopped ministering here for 10, we stopped ministering for 10 or 11 weeks. I got a surprise. You can switch that thing off if you want. I could go rogue. I could go, nah, I'm too hard. Haven't seen whatever, haven't seen that. It's a decision because I know what God has put in me and it is always a decision. It is never the right time. But hindsight, retrospectively, when God shows up, you're like, oh man, totally. I, I knew and I felt and no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't. You hoped, you believed, but that's the journey. And you have a ministry. I'll say this real quick. There's two aspects to this that are key to get if you're gonna really walk that, that outflow that outflow, get that river flowing in your life. The first one is that you need to be ministered to. Um, this is just an interesting verse, Matthew 10. Jesus sent out the 12 of the following instructions. We read it. And then he said at the end of it, freely you have received. So they had received something, authority. Now freely give. So it's like this inward, outward. I'm, I'm walking with God, but now I'm giving. I'm walking with God, but now I'm giving. I'm receiving, but I've got to, I've got to keep that river flowing. Um, Look, observation. I don't think people are being prayed for enough. I just don't think you're being prayed for enough. I think if you attend church, like not you because you're here, but you know, once every four weeks and you've got little to no spiritual momentum going on in you, I honestly don't think, I honestly don't think it's the full picture. And you barely get prayed for. I mean, I'm up for the mountain biking connect groups and all that. But it's not a biblical group if you don't pray for each other. It's a mountain biking group. You're a club. You're meant to be in the sort of group that you get that spiritual infusion. James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another. You've got this ministry of prayer. You, you're meant to. Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. So you're meant to be receiving this encouragement. We went through a difficult time in 2019. Someone in our family had passed away. And it was a weird spiritual dynamic. I felt it. 
after that had happened, I felt a spiritual heaviness and darkness and it wasn't right. So I said to Rebecca, listen, I'm feeling some real weirdness. I'm going to ask such and such, I messaged them, um, talked to them, to come around to our house and pray for us. So they came around and I explained, we had the whole family there, I got them there, we got them there in a group, and I explained what I was feeling and what was going on, and my kids probably weren't feeling it, and they thinking, flipping heck, not another meeting, you know, we're full of meetings in this house. But the couple that we asked around just said, okay, cool, let's deal with it. They began to pray. Shifted. I've got to have people in my life. I remember we went to the GC as part of this sabbatical. We took the family away to the Gold Coast in November sort of the lead up to it. We had dinner with a couple who were pastors and at the end of the night, it was just a fun night hanging out. We were standing around about to go. They were about to hop in their car. We were about to hop in our car. And um, I said, hey, can you pray for us as a family? All of us. And I said, come on, guys, let's hold hands. They'll be like, oh, what, a, what sort of a dad is this, you know? And, but we all held hands. It was dark. And the couple were like, really? Do you really want us to? That's where we've got to in this kind of consumer age of Christianity, that we get surprised when people are like, can you pray for me? What the heck? Daily they were meeting together, eating together, looking to the Lord. Have you got a problem in your life and you're like, I need help, but you don't want to admit it? You've got to get over yourself. I remember being at a church leaders conference in Alabama, in America, a great leadership author, John Maxwell, got up and he spoke on reaching people and loving people. I had this urgentness in my spirit. I was so feeling urgent. I don't know if you ever feel that, like, oh, I actually witnessed something here this morning in the service. I saw someone leave their seat and go to someone and pray for them. I thought, yep, that's right. That's, we've got to be ministered to. So I'm at this conference, it finished, it was two and a half thousand people there and I just ran. I ran to the front I ran up on the stage. The meeting had technically finished because that's a bit of disorder there. But I go, John, it's so good to meet you. And he had like a security helper. So it was kind of like, I'd kind of, I'd definitely surprise them. And I said, this is what I said, lay your hands on me and pray for me. I didn't have time for an interview. I didn't have time. So John Maxwell put his hand on this head. I said, pray that I can reach the lost and pray for leadership. And he said, what's your name? I said, Graham with an H-A-M. Um, no, I think I just said Graham. It's confusing. But he put his hand on my head and I received. And I believed I received. You've got to have an incoming inflow if you're going to give out. Rodney Bowater has been an administrator of grace in my life. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday for the last 20 years, or whenever I minister, he comes up to me and said, that was amazing. God speaks through you. Whenever Rodney prays for me, there's an impartation, faith's moving. It's in this body. Why are you missing out on that? Why won't you administrate that to others? Why won't you get hungry that you know to move on from this place, you need something in your life? Why won't you humble yourself? Why are you so embarrassed about this? We've got dark curtains and dark whites. No one's going to know. Look, imagine if we're in a stained glass room. It'd be embarrassing then. Come on, guys. To activate the thing that's in your life, I believe in the administration of God's gift. I believe in the impartation. I be- that means to impart into by the laying on of hands. I believe that we, the church, carry these keys and these breakthroughs. And I believe you need it too. And I can't believe I'm only halfway through my message. (laughs) 
because part two is that you actually also need to minister unto. And I've got a list of things that you're gonna have in your life. They're biblical, they have names. They look so good here. And they're really good. I'm not gonna do it. I'll do it next week. I'm gonna talk about the spiritual gifts that God has given to the church. I'll talk as well a little bit about how you can hone them and shape them and activate them. I'm gonna, I'll talk if I can about that moment of time where you gotta step out of it and you're not sure. But there's some John Mallers in this room and you just need to activate it. I thought I'd finish actually by praying for people for, you know, that authority. Just pray for that. See ya. Thanks. I haven't been doing this for a while. Sorry. I'm a bit rusty. I thought I'd pray for that authority, that impartation, if you want it. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Can you pass me a chair, Shelley? How are you, Shelley? It's good to see you. Glad you're better. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. That was heavy. All right. Where are, who do we want here? Thank you, Lord. So um, we're going to finish the meeting, but I just wanted to show you something. If you can't make it next week because Coronation's got a replay thing or, you know, there's something else going on uh, or the weather's good, um, I just want to... I'm sorry. <laughs> That's classic pastor talk, eh? That's what we think, though. But anyway, um, no, just joked. We've got labels. Wow, that's cool. Anyway, um, I just want to show you something that we've been doing and um, that, that Beck and I did for a season in our connect group. And Freeman, get up here, bud. And um, anyway, uh, it's called something. This is just like something you might want to try this year in your connect group. Uh, if you're not a part of a connect group, you need to get in one. And um, this is called um, the hot seat. And I actually learned this from Brennan Viv. What are you doing? <laughs> Grab a seat. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I, uh, Brennan Viv, back in the day, we used to have the hot seat. Something's going on in your life or whatever. They'd be like, right, let's get the seat out. Sit down. And over the last couple of years, we've just been, I just thought, yeah, because it, it's something quite special to sit there and just, you know, Helen, can you just come up for a minute? Yeah, Helen Bogle. Yeah, you just come up, yeah. And, um, and uh, Ruben Nemo, come up here too. And so um, it was been really cool with our connect group over the over the time. And I was thinking we should start it again. Um, how are you, by the way? Nice to see you. And um, g'day, how are you? It's great. Sorry about that. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it was a beautiful thing, you know. Like I don't know, there's no magic in it. I don't think it's even in the Bible. But what we're about to do is in the Bible. In the hot seat, you might want to start in your connect group that you do your meeting and then you finish, leave 15, 10, 15 minutes at the end of the night just for the hot seat for this year. And every night, every week, someone new sits in the hot seat, okay? Because they need to be blessed. Because, because what's on their life needs activation. And then they'll go out this week, hopefully, and just be like bubbling over. So anyway, we're going to do the hot seat. It's very simple. You just go, we're going to do the hot seat. Just like parents with your kids, 
you're saying, we're going to pray for you. They'll be like, we never pray. Yeah, well, up until this point, we don't, but we're praying now. Grandparents, you have a right to pray for your grandkids in person. They're not going to say no to you because you're their grandparent. I had one bad granddad and one good granddad. My bad granddad mocked me in front of his friends and was an alcoholic. My good granddad would send me cards with scriptures on them and had a prophetic dream the night I was born that I would be on a stage preaching the Word of God. The good granddad writing these notes, activating this power, even though I as a teen wasn't interested, was sowing seeds that would go deep. I have to be sowing. You have to sow the seeds. This thing's not going to happen automatically without your participation, guys. You do understand that, eh? So what's going to happen is, this is Freeman, and Freeman's got a calling on his life, but he's also just a great human. So you're going to close your eyes, and Reuben, you're going to pray for him. You're going to put your hands on him. Now, you can see the clock is already out of time, so don't make this one of those really like new, like a new King James prayer, okay? Make it like the message, right? Can you do that? And then straight after, Helen's going to pray for you, Freeman. Okay? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Dear Lord, uh, just pray for Freeman, Lord, that, Father, that you would just bless him, Father. Would you just bring an overwhelming peace to his life, Father? Would just, uh, would your presence just ebb and flow through his heart, Lord? Would it just absolutely just capture his heart, Lord? Would you just today, Father, would you uh, know, uh, would you help Freeman, Lord, to just be guided by you, Father? Uh, Would you help Freeman to trust in you, Lord, whatever that might be, Father, whatever path he's on, Father, and just pray, Lord, that, yeah, your blessing would just absolutely just uh, fall, Lord, would it just fall afresh, Lord, right on his heart, Father. Um, And I just pray for, yes, an absolute peace, Father, just that strong mind, Father, that you just have for him, Father. I just pray for that in Jesus' name. Do you kind of feel like that? Yeah, for sure. Definitely needed that. Yeah. Needed that. Sure. 
people need it, eh? And um, you look a little bit teary, but I think just enough tears. You don't want to be a me- you don't want to be a mess, do you? <laughs> just jokes. So you stand up, Helen, sit down. This is a mighty woman. This this is one that if you ever get the chance, you see her in the foyer. You don't know her. You say, could you pray for me? I, I just I don't encourage you. I compel you. If you come to church and once in three months to say to someone, can you pray for me? You are missing something so wonderful. Your body. I'll talk next week about all the gifts that the body actually has to minister to each other and the world. But Freeman, you're going to pray for Helen. Right. Dear God, thank you for, for Helen, Lord. I thank you for the amazing woman that she is, Lord. And I just pray that you'll bless her abundantly, Lord. And I pray that your spirit will just flow right through her, Lord. And I pray that she'll actually just touch hearts, Lord. And I pray that she'll speak life into people, Lord. And I pray for just an overflow in, her, in your spirit, Lord. So, just do pray for the freshness, strength, the oil of gladness, overwhelming love. Thank you for your deposit into us as a church over the years. Thank you for the increase on your life right now. Pray for revelation and wisdom for health. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, how, how are you feeling, Helen? Very, very cheery. say to you that what you just saw here today, okay? Oh, yeah, too late. (laughs) Oh, thanks, Kate. What you've just seen here today is just ministry, okay? And that ministry is what God has graced us with. It's just one, just praying for someone. It's just one of like nine or twelve. Didn't count the list. Just one. But you need to do it. Let's put our hands together for all these wonderful ones and we're going to shut the service down. Thank you. So, um, sorry, Jerry. Sorry about the time. I'm so sorry. This is a bad way to start. Okay, so uh, we're going to finish. Uh, I'm going to pray for you. Just pretend I'm John Mallor for a minute, okay? Just stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. <laughs> This powerful uh, illustration, eh? <clears throat> In just a second, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give an opportunity for people here who are ready to publicly confess they believe in Jesus. As I said earlier, if you're not ready, don't rush it. Do that journey. Let it go deep into you. Come back. Keep pursuing the God who is pursuing you. But right now, I want you to close your eyes. I'm just going to ask Jesus. Would you reach out your hands maybe if you, if you hunger 
tonight for that authority and that grace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, I today stand upon the Word, understanding, Lord, that your church is your body. Today I give this group of people your authority to take them far beyond what they've ever thought was possible. In this moment, Lord, I pray that you begin to speak, to show, reveal, identify, Lord. I pray that you would bring dissatisfaction where they've just See, I've had enough of that expression, that level, that struggle. I pray for your presence and your anointing to fall right now. I thank you, Lord, for power. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, to enable you. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for hunger rising, Lord. I pray that a spiritual hunger would rise in each heart. I pray for every lie of the enemy that has tried to limit and rip off. I pray that you would send people out this week. I pray there'd be a sending even into their own families. I pray there'd be a whole heap of praying going on in homes this week. I pray there'd be a lot of... uh, yeah, just the ability, Lord, even if their neighbours ring them and said something funky's going on in our house, can you pray for us? They'd have the ability to do that. They should have every ability, every right to do that and effectively. Thank you, Lord. Re- reveal and release, Lord, your presence upon every person. I ask this in Jesus' name. Just with eyes closed, heads bowed, if you're here today, you've not heard about the love of Jesus or you've been hearing about it the last few weeks, you never knew that God died for you, just for you. And for those that you know too. And He knows, even though we're so far from Him, even though we've made choices and mistakes, even though we were born into sin, which pretty much explains everything, Jesus came. He loved us while we were yet still sinners. He died for us. His death has been recorded historically. It happened. His resurrection was actually witnessed by 120 people who, if they collaborated an elaborate lie, They did it with their own lives on the line. But yet the story has remained. The good news for over 2,020 years has continued that if you believe, you will receive forgiveness, a new heart, and He will make you His own. And you know what? For many of us, go the way of the world. We're, We're the worlds, that means. And Jesus comes and He offers us salvation. He offers us fresh hope. He offers us something new, something in our spirit to make us new and save us. So just with eyes closed, heads bowed, if you're here today and saying, yep, I'm ready. I I, want to publicly profess I believe in Jesus to receive His healing, receive His forgiveness, receive His hope, and receive His spirit in me. Then on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. I'll pray. I'll include you in a prayer today. But it's important we make it public because Jesus died publicly for us. He didn't die privately. He was hung on a cross for each one of us. But when we publicly confess Him, the Bible says He will acknowledge us before God. 
And so on the count of three, if that's you, you're saying, yep, Graham, I need my own relationship with Him. I want to put my faith and trust in Him alone. Then on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand and I'm going to acknowledge it. We're going to pray together. One, two, three. Lift it up. Yeah, lift it right up so I can see it. And then keep it up for a second because, you know, God delights in this moment. God bless you three here. Thank you, Lord. God bless you there. God bless you there and there and down there and down there and over here and over here as well. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. And here as well. Thank you, Lord. Who else is saying, yep, today I want to publicly profess I believe in Jesus. I might not know it all. I'll learn along the way, but I profess my faith in Him. Just anyone else saying, yep, that's me? So good. Yep. Awesome. Yep, awesome here too. Okay, you can put your hands down and everyone's going to put their hands together because this is God reaching you, God touching you today, even online. So we're going to pray. I want you to, everyone close your eyes. I want you to pray this prayer after me from your heart. Say, Dear Father God, thank you for today. I publicly profess I believe in Jesus that He died for me, for my sins, to make me a new person from the inside out. Help me to follow you. Help me to be yours. Put that seal on my heart today. Thank you for making me a new person in you. Pray this as well, Holy Spirit. I welcome you into my life. I need your power. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.